I get so much more nervous doing that. <laughs> like, seriously, like shaking. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, Isaiah 55. I'm going to read the whole chapter. So don't, but don't fret. There's only 13 verses. And would you stand as I read? Isaiah chapter 55, beginning at verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here, that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy. And be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord. An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Let's pray. God, we praise you for good news. We thank you for the power of your word that it's going to go out and it's going to accomplish your purpose in your time and in your way. God, we bank on your promises. Would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are soft to your spirit's touch this morning? We know that we cannot do it by ourselves. We can't understand it rightly by ourselves. We can't apply it rightly. We can't preach it or receive it without you. So, Lord, would you come and accompany your word preached with your power? That your word might be driven deep into our hearts, into our minds, and by your power, through your spirit's work, it might sprout, grow, and yield fruit to your glory. And Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. 
For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So give us grace this morning to take our stand on your eternal, everlasting word. So, Lord, would you speak? Father in heaven, speak. Lord, speak. Your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Last week we looked at Isaiah 49 and it was the second of what are the, a series of servant songs. If you've read through the book of Isaiah, which we are doing as a church right now, we're working through uh, the, the, I think we were on 59 today, it's 59 today, uh, that we're, we're part of our Bible reading is reading through uh, the book of Isaiah. Maybe you come through uh, the latter middle 40s late 40s into the 50s, you see there are a series of what are called servant songs. And we looked at the second there in Isaiah 49. There's a, there's a third and then there's a fourth, which you know best as Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions. The Lord is pleased to crush him. Uh, that great servant song looking forward to what the Lord Jesus does for us. And the best way to think about Isaiah 53, let's kind of zoom out for a second. Isaiah 53, 54, and 55. Isaiah 53, he was crushed for our transgressions. It is a Old Testament gospel presentation there in Isaiah chapter 53 of what the Lord Jesus does in bearing our sin. That you have the, the expansion, if you will, of what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That Isaiah 53 is the this image, this Old Testament image preaching the good news New Testament gospel to us of the accomplished work of Christ wherein he takes the sin of his people and he grants them his righteousness so that in the death, in the person and the death of Jesus, the finished work of Christ, we have the good news. The good news, the gospel is News. It's a proclamation of what God has done in Jesus. And then in 54 and 55, you have two great chapters talking about the therefore. 54 is often, so therefore, because God has done this in his servant, the Lord Jesus, therefore, there is an objective reality in chapter 54, and there is a subjective experience in chapter 55. So you're not going to understand, and I don't have time to kind of, bring all of this together. But to understand the invitation of chapter 55, which this is a chapter, which is a grand invitation to everyone who would hear. It is an invitation to come to the Lord. If you were to look at this this chapter, you you could hang your hat on two sections. Verses 1 through 5 and verses 6 through 13. Both of them begin within an imperative to the reader or to the hearer to come, verse 1, and to seek, verse 6. And these things are possible because of the reality of chapter 53. Now, what I want you to hear and what the connection I want you to get is that the extension of the good news of Jesus today and your response to it 
which you must respond. That the death of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, is in itself, is in itself God's invitation to you. If you have any doubt in your mind whether you can come and you can seek, if you have any doubt, if there's any question within you, if God would have you, you must look not to yourself, but you look to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Christ. Without the cross before you, without the empty tomb, a reality before you, the invitation to come and to seek in the way that we are to come and to seek isn't going to make sense. Come, everyone who thirsts. The ESV translates that first word, come, and it really should be something like if you have a New American Standard or, or maybe a King James or New King James, it says something like, ho! And you can understand in, in 2021 while we probably, I'm not using one of those translations. But it's an interjection to get, you, get your attention. The, the New English translation says, hey! That this is an a interjection to make you pay attention. Hey you, everyone who thirsts. Everyone has known thirst. He's not talking about a physical thirst, but then he enters into these invitations, these imperatives. And it might be a good way to think about God's commands to you as invitations to better life. But there's an invitation to come to the waters He who has no money, come buy and eat. So there's these two realities that are linked. We have have three, the repetition of the same word come. In your English translation, it might be four come, four comes, uh, but there are only three. But there's this triumvirate, come, come, come to the waters, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk, that you're being invited to a lavish banquet. You're being invited, or maybe better said, you're being invited to a five-star steakhouse. And you know, I don't know what your favorite cut of steak is. Maybe you're not a steak person. I feel sorry. I'm sorry for you. Um, but it's really good. Uh, but you're, you're invited to a five-star steakhouse. And there's some, you're walking down the street. And I want you to have this image in your head. Just want you to have this image that you have just gambled your life away. And you literally, at this point, own nothing. You've gone to the casino, and if you, if you do this regularly, I would implore you not to. It's a waste of your life. But you, you've gone to, your, to the casino, you've gotten caught up at the craps table, and you kept going back to the ATM, and it, it finally went dry, and then you started going to the, your home equity, and it finally went dry, and you've leveraged everything you have, and you've lost. And you're walking down the street, your head is hung, and you are literally destitute. You don't know how you're going to go home at this point because they're going to come for it soon. And you walk down the street and there's a man on the corner. He's saying, hey, you. And he's out in front of this five-star steakhouse. He says, hey, you. Come in. You. Come in. We have a seat for you. And in your mind, you're thinking, I have nothing. 
I couldn't afford an ice water in that joint right now. I'm, I am bankrupt. How, on what basis could I come in there? See, your poverty, your poverty doesn't exempt you from the table. It qualifies you for the table. Listen to that again. Your poverty, your poorness, your bankruptcy does not exempt you from the table. It qualifies you for the table. Because the way is already paid. See, the grace of God in forgiveness and in welcoming you to the table of the Lord Jesus, you say it's really free, but it's not free. Come buy and eat. There, are, there remains a price. But it's a price that someone else has picked up for you. You go to the steakhouse, it still costs them money. You who are now bankrupt, you've leveraged everything you own and you've lost. And you step into this five-star steakhouse and it's one of those places that requires you to have a coat and tie and you're wearing a ratty t-shirt and they put the blazer on, they put the, coat, the, the tie around your neck, you look like an idiot, but you're at the table. I, I, I say that not from personal experience. I have gone to those places where they, they start putting a blazer on you and you're like, I didn't, I was, I was with my parents. I did not pay that day. Um, but there is the, the, the reality of the poverty that only the poor, now listen how I qualify this, but only the poor are welcomed at the table of the Lord. And you might be thinking, that's, that's not fair. Well, what did Jesus say? Very first beatitude. Anybody recall? Blessed are the Poor in spirit. Spiritual poverty is what qualifies you for the table of the Lord. There are none who are on their moral high horses that are going to come to the table of the Lord. They're not going to come to the feast that Jesus offers. They're not going to see any need for it. Consider the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had their religious, religion, religious life buttoned up. It was perfect to the T. They saw no need for a crucified Savior because they did not see their own spiritual poverty. And what do I mean by spiritual poverty? What I mean by that is that, dear one, you are made in the image of God for God. You are made for relationship with Him, but your sins have created a separation between you and God. Not His fault, your fault. See, sin is a gambling of everything you own on everything but God. If you are living your life today as though God were not real, if you have not submitted your life to the Lord Jesus, you are gambling with your most precious gift. You put your very life, not just your life in this life, but you put your very eternity on the line, and you are wagering against the Almighty God. And that is a bet you will lose. 
So we must realize that what sin has done for us, where we are made for God to be in relationship with Him, sin is our pursuit of anything away from relationship with God, where we would be our own gods, we would be our own kings, our own queens, our own captains, our own masters, and we refuse His reign, His rule, and His grace. And in so doing, we have bankrupted ourselves spiritually. And until you realize that, and re- until you realize you have nothing, you have nothing to offer God to make Him applaud you, to earn His approval, you have, you have nothing in and of yourself. Nothing in my hands I bring, only to your cross I cling. Is that, is that Rock of Ages? Augustus Top Lady? That's all we have. Jonathan Edwards said the only thing that you bring to your salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. And until we see that, this invitation is going to be, oh, that's nice. That's gonna, this is going to be greeting card material for us. Rather than a transformative invitation from the Almighty God to come and enjoy new life, transformed life. Come enjoy satisfaction in my presence, God says. Come enjoy fellowship with me and my son, God says. Would you come buy and eat because it's already paid for? The debt is paid. You look to the wounds of Jesus. And your debt, your account, is paid. And so you can come into His presence. You're invited to His table. And notice that the table of the Lord here is a feast. He doesn't say, come, get your bread and water. And sit on the floor. He says, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk. This image of richness, of plenty. And dear ones, this idea of feast is everywhere. We saw it first time in Isaiah, I think in Isaiah chapter 25. The Lord is creating a feast for all the peoples. We see it at the very end of the book with the marriage feast of the Lamb. That one day, by God's grace, we're going to sit around with the redeemed. And we will have been those who came. But if you see not your poverty of spirit, you will not come. Because if you don't see your poverty of spirit, you're coming with with what you believe you have. You're coming with your what you think are your riches or your talents or your abilities or your bank account or your family relationships or whatever it is you think is going to... to, to Make God love you. God, look at all my morality. Look at all my good things. Look at all the things that I don't do. And dear ones, if if that whole list of all the do's and the don'ts that you've done and you, you don't do, if all of that is rooted in something other than Jesus, if you're just saying, look at all these things, these good works I've produced for myself, I'm not really as bad as people say. Or, I'm really as good as people say. No, your poverty of spirit qualifies you to come to Jesus. It does not exempt you. 
So when you think about your life right now, and I want you to think, have you come to Jesus? Have you come to Jesus without money? Have you come to Jesus with a, not with an account that's in the black, but one that is in the red because of sin? Have you come to Jesus needing a Savior and submitting to a Lord? If you haven't, then you're trying to add Jesus to your spiritual repertoire. You're trying to add Jesus to what you already have to maybe hedge your bets. And that is not a position that the Lord of Lords is going to occupy. And I would implore you, I would implore you as you examine yourself right now, have you come? Have you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior? Have you experienced the reality of being spiritually bankrupt, but being made righteous in him so that now we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places? Paul says in Ephesians chapter one, three, that my account goes from infinity in the red to infinity in the black because of the grace of God in Jesus. Come buy wine and milk. There's richness here, but it's a richness that is afforded and given to you because Christ has died. Christ has risen and Christ will come again. We come because of Jesus, because God has offered to us his only son. And he is our only hope. Come, come, come. And this is not just for those who have yet to believe in Jesus. How easy is it for us Christians to lose our way? How easy it is to to think of, begin to look at all of our tally marks. Well, I've gone to church this many Sundays. I've gone to Sunday school this many Sundays. I've given this much. Surely, look at, look, God, look at all this stuff. I've, I've tried to share the gospel with my neighbor. I've mowed my neighbor's lawn. I changed that guy's tire that one time. God, look at all these things. And dear one, if Christian, if you're building your assurance before the Lord simply on what you have done, you're you're building a house on sand. This is an invitation both to the non-Christian and to the Christian to come and find refreshment in the presence of the Lord. But to find refreshment in the presence of the Lord requires a change of direction. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen. Listen diligently. Incline your ear. Hear. The three come, come, come is met with listen, listen, listen. If you're going to come to the Lord, you must listen to what He says in His Word. If you're going to seek the Lord while He's to be found, you must seek Him according to His Word. And this is the pattern in those two, cha- two, two sections of this chapter. Verses 1 through 5, 
Come, listen to the word, transformation, renewal, everlasting covenant. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Here are the ways of the Lord, the power of his word, renewal and everlasting covenant. There is a pattern here on both halves of this chapter that point us that if we are going to come to the Lord, if we're going to seek the Lord, we have to seek him on his own terms. And if we're going to seek him on his own terms, it means that we have been seeking ourselves on our own terms. And we must repent. To experience times of refreshing, this is Acts chapter 3, to experience times of refreshing from the Lord, where God brings a new life and new revival into our individual hearts and to our church collectively, we must model before the Lord a repentance. Saying, I repent of trying to pay for that which you've already paid for, Jesus. I repent of being the center of my universe rather than your glory. I repent of treating my life as though it were my own. I repent of treating your church as though it were my own. We must repent if we're going to experience refreshment. Because to come to the Lord, it means you have to change direction. Yes, He comes and meets us where we are. But if you're going to go where He is, you have to change direction from following this world, following yourself, following the adversary. Would you come and hear? Would you hear the word of the Lord? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we must seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. What does that mean? It means that the kingdom of God, the doors are open right now and one day they will be shut. Come to Christ while you can. Come and be refreshed in this life while you can. Come and be transformed and be forgiven while you can. Seek the Lord. So if you remember anything from this, Come, seek the Lord. Let the wicked forsake his way. Here is repentance. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Here is essential repentance. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And then there are all of these F-O-R-E. Oh, F-O-R, sorry. Not for like in golf, but for as in because. Let him return to the Lord for my thoughts are not your thoughts. So that God's reasonings aren't necessarily your reasonings. That the way that you seek refreshment and you seek purpose and you seek fulfillment, they actually aren't going to be that which brings you joy. The things that offer you satisfaction and pleasure in this life are not the things that will ultimately give it to you for eternity. My ways are not your ways. The heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There must be a yielding to the sovereign God saying, You are God and we are not. Your ways are not my ways. Would you have ever drawn up that the second person of the Trinity would be come flesh and die a humiliating death in order to pay our price? And to be raised from the dead. Would that be what you formulated in your head as to how God would accomplish redemption? I don't think I would have. 
Seek the Lord while He may be found. Repent and return to Him. Because His plan is good. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so my word be that goes out from my mouth. You ones, take up your Bibles. Open your Bibles. And seek the Lord. Don't just read, right? I know we're on a church reading plan and it's very easy just to kind of motor through so you can check off the box and go about your day. But dear ones, this is where you seek the Lord. Saying, would God speak to me now? Holy Spirit, come speak to me. And if you're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you better have your Bible open. Because God's word accomplishes God's will. God's word in the hands of the Holy Spirit accomplishes God's will. If you come and read in faith, believing that this is the word of God, asking for his help, dear ones, what may be found? It's like precipitation that comes upon the earth and causes it to grow. Just like an apple orchard deprived of water will dry up and no fruit will be found. So is your life. If you never are exposed to life-giving rivulets, the life-giving streams of word and spirit, so you will dry up. And you will not bear fruit. You might stand as a barren tree. Not quite yet fully spiritually dead. But you won't bear fruit. Come to the Lord. Hear him. Repent of your way. And trust his. Here is how you grow. Here is how. He accomplishes his will in your life by means of the word. Because finally, the word becomes an agent of new creation. As we come to the Lord as spiritual beggars, we leave as kings and queens in Christ. We come to the Lord distant and foreign from him and we leave him into the world as sons and daughters. We are transformed by the grace of God and the gospel. But the renewal that you experience by repenting and believing upon the name of the Lord Jesus is a foretaste of the renewal that he is going to do throughout the cosmos. That salvation begins with you. Paul says that you are first fruits of what God is going to do. So the inner renewal where new life is breathed into us. There's new love and new joy and new purpose. And one day we'll have new bodies that match everything. So will he do. You will go go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills will break forth in the singing. Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that the mountains and the hills, creation itself, is groaning, awaiting the adoption of the sons of God. So when the groaning of creation becomes the praise of creation, we know that the church is gathered in and the day has come. 
and we look to the age where all of the thorny patches are made vibrant and fertile, where the briar is changed into a myrtle, a beautiful tree, and it shall make a name for the Lord. God will be glorified as by his word he brings renewal to you and he brings renewal to this place, this creation and all of the cosmos. So much so that by the word of the Lord, there will be a new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. There will be renewal. Today, you can be made new. You can be made new. You can be refreshed if you're stuck in a rut and you feel far from God. You've been laboring, seeking yourself. Would you repent and trust in Jesus? I want to close by reading a a hymn by a hymn writer named William Gadsby. And it was inspired by Isaiah 55. He says, Come whosoever will, nor vainly strive to mend. Sinners are freely welcome still to Christ, the sinner's friend. The gospel table spread and richly furnished too, with wine and milk and living bread. And dainties, not a few. The guilty, vile, and base, the wretched and forlorn, are welcome to the feast of grace, though goodness they have none. No goodness he expects, he came to save the poor. Poor, helpless souls, he never neglects, nor sends them from his door. Tis tender, loving heart, the vilest will embrace. And freely to them will impart the riches of his grace. I want you to hang your hat on poor helpless souls he never neglects nor sends them from his door. Jesus says that whoever comes to him, he will not cast out. You are not too bad. You have not done so much evil in your life that the Lord will not welcome you. When you come in repentance seeking Him. And the other thing I can say is that you are not too good to not need the Savior. So would you come and seek the Lord? Christians, seek revival for yourself and for your church, for the churches of this land. Seek refreshment and ask the Lord, is there something that I am pursuing myself that I need to repent of? But dear one, you who have never trusted in the Lord, you who have never known Jesus, never invited him in to transform your life, you have never trusted in what Christ has done, you've been trying to be good in and of yourself, you've been living for this world and living for yourself, would you drop all of that and come to Jesus? You don't have to figure anything else out right now except that you need Jesus. Pray that. And if that's you this morning, I would love to talk with you. If it's too much to walk up here in a minute, talk to me afterwards. If that's too much, text me or email me. But come to Jesus. You cannot say that you didn't hear. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you have come for the poor, helpless ones like us. We who are or were enslaved to sin, rebels against you. 
You have come to make us your friend. Give us grace to repent, to change our mind, change our way. Give us grace to trust. To trust your word. Help us to believe that blessed are the poor in spirit. That, Lord, you don't ask us to come with our resume of goodness. You ask us to come admitting our bankruptcy of soul. Saying, we need you. And, Lord Jesus, we never outgrow our need of you. We need you. This church needs you. Our membership needs you. We need you. Would you come and refresh us? If necessary, convict us that repentance might come, that we might be refreshed as we come afresh to you. Lord, if there are some who have not yet believed, would they catch a glimpse of the Savior's arms open wide saying, Come. 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 In Christ's name we pray. Amen.